Acts chapter 17. I want to I want to follow up with this morning, this morning's message. We looked at some opportunities for us to reach into our community. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm so thankful that so many of you signed up and uh, a lot of a lot of people signed up for going down on Saturdays and having that picnic with the homeless. And a lot of a lot of people signed up for helping the church downtown, Resurrection Baptist Church as well. And so I appreciate all those uh, that have signed up. If you tried to sign up this morning and the lines were too long, I know during the services it was difficult for some. Some mentioned that they just didn't get the opportunity. They had to go someplace else. The sign-up sheets are still back there. So I hope you'll go by this evening and sign up in one of those areas. And once you uh, put your name and contact information, someone will, um, someone will contact you and give you some more information. Uh, September 24th, though, is going to be an exciting day. I'm looking forward to it. And Mark, uh, Acts chapter number 17, it's probably a familiar portion of scripture for, for many. It's when Paul visits Athens. Paul comes and uh, verse number 16, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, he, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And Paul was divinely appointed to be here at Athens. And God makes no mistakes. It wasn't by accident that, that, that uh, Paul was here. There was a message and there were people that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is placed here and Paul is going to uh, realize and begin to, to present the gospel. He's going to realize that uh, uh, there's those that just sat around and it seemed like they just talked, talked about um, uh, different gods and different religions. It's interesting, they, they said of Paul in verse number 18, what will this babbler say? Uh, he, um, other some, he seemeth to be a, a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And so those that were there, they were sitting around and they worshiped every God. Anything that could be worshiped, they worshiped. When Paul came and Paul began to share with him Jesus Christ, they thought that Paul was strange, that Paul was presenting something. You know, the reason why I believe they thought that Paul was so strange is Paul was preaching Jesus Christ and he preached that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You see, there was no other gods that uh, could say that. Every other God that was served, they were serving, they were dead. Every other God they had served, and if it was a, uh, there was a grave for that person, never, never was there one that was, was uh, raised from the dead. So there was something significant, something different about what Paul was saying and who this Jesus was. And so Paul is presenting, he's there and he's preaching. You know, I, I thought as I studied through this passage of Scripture, what great boldness that took. What boldness it took for Paul to present Christ to a people that wanted nothing to do with Christ. That took great boldness. And it's going to take great boldness for our church to go into our community and preach Jesus Christ. It's not going to be easy. In church, we need to realize this. It's not going to be easy and it's not going to be something that everyone is going to willingly receive. There are some that want nothing to do with the gospel. There's going to be some that want nothing to do with Jesus Christ, but Paul still stood boldly to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Each person here um, this evening, I believe, uh, I pray that would be challenged with Paul's boldness as we see him and read through and study through this portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 17. 
When verse number 22, the Bible says this, then when Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. And so Paul is passing by, he sees this altar, it's to the unknown God, and Paul is going to begin to preach to them who this unknown God is to them. Now I want us to, um, I want us this evening to look at just a few thoughts about Paul, and I believe, I believe these are some thoughts and these are some ways that as we uh, begin these activities, these outreach events in our community, there are going to be the same thing that Paul had is the same thing that we are going to be able and need to possess in order for us to make a difference in our community. One is, and it's not found in here, I just want to simply add this this evening, is this, it's going to take a commitment. This afternoon, I had received a lot of texts, a lot of emails, and even talked on the phone to several people about the excitement of getting involved and getting into our community. But we need to realize this, it's not just about the excitement, it's going to take us to, to do it month after month. It's going to get cold and there's going to be problems. Satan is going to attack. And we as a church need to be committed that no matter what, we are going to stay faithful in getting the gospel into our community. There's going to be a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons why we shouldn't go and can't go. And so we need to make sure that we are faithful. We need to make sure that we are committed in seeing people reached with the gospel. But I want us to see this. God put Paul in the midst of these these men from Athens to give them answers. And I believe this, that God will put Christians in the midst of those that do not know Christ to give them answers. You know, as much as we want to see this world reach with the gospel, God wants to see it reach greater. As much as we love people and have a heart to help serve, do you realize this, that God loves people more than we'll ever love them? God wants to see our community and our world reached with the gospel greater than we want to see the community reached. And so God is placing us and is going to place us. And even maybe for some, he's already placed you in the middle of a situation, in the middle of people. He's placed you there to share the gospel. You know, we're not, we're not living here on this earth to make a living and, and work a job and, 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 and have our own schedule. God has placed you at your job. God has placed you in your neighborhood. God has placed you in your circle of friends. God has placed you in every area of your life for a specific reason, and that is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we as believers ought to take every opportunity we can to share the gospel. I've talked to Brother Dick often he has been in the hospital a lot, obviously, with his daughter's cancer and now dealing with his son as well. And every time I talk with him and I try to be an encouragement to him, he in turn is an encouragement. And he'll share how many nurses have been saved or how many people they come in contact with at the hospital that they present the gospel to. You know, God makes no mistakes. God places you where you are so that you can be a witness and give others answers. No matter what trial you're going through, no matter what situation you're in, you are there so that you can be a witness to somebody about Jesus Christ. And so this was not a mistake for Paul. 
Paul was not here in Athens wasting time, and, and it was not by mistake. People here in Athens, the men of Athens that were worshiping uh, and fully given to idolatry, that were worshiping other gods, he was placed there so that these men could see the one true God, and that was Jesus Christ. And so Paul took every opportunity. Paul took every opportunity that he could so that he could share the gospel. In verse number 16, the Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city given to idolatry. I want you to see, first of all, here that Paul's concern. Paul's concern. When Paul was in Athens, you know what his concern was? People needed Jesus Christ. When Paul was, wait, when Paul was waiting, there could have been a lot of things that Paul could have done. Some things that we might have done if we were Paul, go sightseeing. I mean, Athens, there's a lot of things to see, I'm sure, there. There's a lot of history that he could have seen. There's a lot of, a lot of things he could have seen, a lot of interesting people he could have met. But what Paul was concerned about was people were given wholly over to idolatry. His concern was this, people needed Jesus Christ. Church, I believe this, that our great concern ought to be that people need Jesus Christ. Paul saw that this place was given over to idol worshiping. He saw that this place was given over to not worshiping a one true God, but they were worshiping any God they could possibly get their hands upon. They were a religious people, but they were serving and, and, and worshiping a false religion. They knew not who Jesus Christ was. They did not know the one true God. They didn't know the creator of the universe. They were worshiping and their entire uh, religion was a false religion and Paul had a concern. Idolatry is the worship of anything other than the one true God. The idolatry is worshiping of anything other than the creator of this universe. And when the Bible says he, they were wholly given over to idolatry, that means this, every one of them were worshiping someone other than the one true God. Because imagine that a whole society where nobody was worshiping Jesus. A whole society where God was not being glorified and God was not being praised. A whole society where there was no worship given to the one true God. They were worshiping something other than the creator, something other than Jesus. You know, we live in a society today that it seems like we're pretty close to that, doesn't it? Everything and every uh, uh, one is worshiped other than the true God. And Paul saw that this city worshiped everything. And just in case they forgot something, they build an altar to that something. So let's worship everything, but we don't want to offend the God that we're not worshiping. You know, in India, they say there's millions and millions and millions of gods. And they'll add Jesus to their list of gods and just in case they, they, they uh, forget something, but they, they don't worship the one true God. There's all kinds of gods that they'll worship. There's a video that we're going to show in the uh, month of October and, and uh, it's a uh, missionaries had put it together in India and we're going to show it on a Sunday evening and it's a powerful, powerful video of, of missions in India and I'm telling you, you will not want to miss that, but it's heartbreaking to know how many people worship a false god. 
Could you imagine getting up in the morning and worshiping something that's dead? Imagine worshiping something that can't give you hope. Imagine worshiping something that you have a great need and you even pray to this idol, but this idol can't hear you, this idol can't see you, this idol cannot, cannot help you in any way, but you fervently and diligently still worship something that cannot help you. In reality, churches, much of the world find themselves in that place. And Paul comes to Athens, and what he sees in Athens, it's not the buildings, or it's not the cities, it's not the, the uh, culture, it's not, it's not the, the, the luxuries of Athens that he sees. What he sees when he comes to Athens, he sees a great need, and he develops a great concern. Everyone around him needs to know Jesus Christ. Everyone around him is worshiping a false god. There is no hope. There is no satisfaction. There is no compassion. There is something missing in Athens. And what is missing is Jesus. And Paul has a concern. Church, I believe this, that we, as Paul here, need to be sure that we have a concern. I took a couple of our staff men downtown on Friday. We were driving around and, boy, everywhere we go, from Monclova to as far as you want to drive, there are people that need Jesus Christ. There's houses that are being built on Monclova Road, and as I drive by those places where they're getting ready to build houses, my mind is consumed with the thought of people are coming into our community and they need Jesus Christ. There's not only new houses, there are people already living in this community that need Jesus Christ. A couple Saturdays ago, Kaylee and I were downtown at the Resurrection Baptist Church and Melody was there as well. And I remember faces that I saw and I remember this lady and I grew up in the city of Philadelphia and, and um, uh, I grew up and right on the step, I'll never forget when I walked out of her house, there was a bar that was right on the corner there and they would just be doing drugs and, and dealing drugs right on, our, right on our step, the stoop they call it, and, and uh, right there in front of our house. I grew up around people that were addicted to drugs. It was obvious to see. I saw a lady a couple Saturdays ago drive up on a, ride up on a bike, and everything about her showed that there was an addiction that she had. I saw people coming in, in and out of that area, that tent that were people were being fed at and everything about them said this they were struggling with addictions I saw that pastor it didn't matter if you were a prostitute a drug addict a drug dealer it didn't matter he'd put his arm around people and so excited to share the gospel with them he's not looking to build a church of professionals he just wants to see sinners saved. He was telling me he walks around the neighborhood and he says, I know all the prostitutes by name. I know all the drug dealers by name. I know all the drug addicts by name. And he says, they all, they all respect me. They all listen to me. They let me pray with them. Church, I believe this. We need to have a concern for where we live. 
Paul's concern drove him to something. Paul didn't just see it and have a concern. It actually drove him to do something about, about it. You know, I believe what Paul sees here today, Paul looking and seeing a great need, it's no different for us today. There are people in society, they're worshiping money. There's people in society that worship their job. There's people in society that worship their cars, sports. They have idols, false religion, religion, dead gods. People today are given wholly over to idolatry. There's no difference today than there was with Paul. The difference is this, I believe this, that Paul had a concern and many Christians today have no concern. We just figure we'll live life around it. We know where not to drive and we know where not to do things. We know not to go. And we live in our bubble. We live in our area. And as long as we're safe in our area, everything is okay. While the entire world needs Jesus Christ. Paul had a concern. Paul had a great concern. I want you to see secondly is this. I want you to see Paul's cry. Paul not only had a great concern in verse number 16, in verse number 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Paul began to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him I declare unto you. He goes on to say, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples uh, made by hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath in all things. He hath made of, of one blood all nations of men for the, for the dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And Paul goes on and he's preaching and he's teaching. You know what Paul did? He began to cry. He declares that God, the God of creation. He goes and he begins to tell people who Jesus is. He begins to tell them who God is and that God is to be worshipped. Paul's cry, what Paul began to talk about was Jesus. What Paul began to, to preach was God, the creator of this universe. He declared the God of creation. He declared the God of salvation. See, Paul not only had a concern, Paul did something. He said, I've got a concern for what I see, and I also have the solution for this concern. And that solution is this, present God to a world that is worshiping everything else but God. Present God to a, a, a drug addict that is trying to find hope in drugs and trying to find help in drugs. Find, uh, find and present God to somebody that's serving another religion or another God. Find somebody that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ and when he gets and he begins to preach and declare, he declares the God of creation and he declares the God of salvation. He declares 
that God loved the world. He declared that all men have sin. He declared that the wages of sin is death. He declared that God commended his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He declared that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He told them that they were sinners. He told them they needed to repent. He told them that Jesus died for them. He told them that Jesus rose from the dead and he told them that God desires for them to know his son. As I thought about this morning, as I thought about us going into our community, you know what's going to keep us going? To have the same concern Paul had. It's not just something new and something, you know, different. We ought to have a great concern that keeps us faithful. Here, Paul had a concern, and we need to keep a concern. Paul had a cry, and that cry was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I find Paul's concern, and I find Paul's cry. I also find, if you'd turn with me to verse number 30, the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Paul's concern, Paul's cry, and you find Paul's conclusion here. You know what Paul's conclusion is this to these, to these men? Repent. Repent. Stop living in your sin. Stop letting sin have a control over you. Stop living in bondage. Repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ. You see, our concern needs to be for the lost. Our cry needs to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our conclusion ought to be this. Everyone we come in contact with, repent, repent, repent. Turn from your sin. Turn from yourself. Turn from what you're trusting in that's false and turn to Jesus Christ. Paul warns them of judgment, the Bible says as well. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 20, if you would, please. Romans chapter number 20. Did I say Romans? I meant Revelation. Revelation. Revelation chapter number 20. In verse number 11, the Bible says this, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the book were opened, and another book was opened, which the book of life, and the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up their dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. I believe this is a verse that ought to keep us up at night. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Christian, that ought to concern us. That ought to give us a concern. That ought to give us a cry. That ought to give us a 
conclusion that we share. That judgment is coming. And for those that do, know, do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're going to be cast for all of eternity in the lake of fire. And they will. They will pay for all of eternity for their sin that Jesus Christ has already paid for. I mean, if you read just recently, there was an article, I think it's, I don't remember if it was Friday or Saturday, I read an article, there's a heroin epidemic. How many of you have seen that in Toledo? The heroin epidemic is so bad, or the drug overdose epidemic is so bad in Toledo, the first responders are getting tired. There's not enough first responders to respond to all the overdoses that are taking place. Think about that. That's not in Africa. That's not in Europe. That's not in the places that we're sending missionaries in the darkest corners of this world. That's 20 minutes up the trail. It's in our backyard. It's in the community we're living in. People are dying on a daily basis by the hundreds and going off into eternity. And if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, there's a judgment. It's too late once they're dead. It's too late once they're gone. It's too late once, you, once they have, have, have taken that last breath here on this side. They will wind up just like the rich man and Lazarus we read of in the Gospel of Luke. One opened up their eyes in Abraham's bosom and one opened up their eyes in hell in torments. And that rich man is still in hell screaming in torments. There's not a second chance. Church, there's not a second chance for our community to hear the gospel. This is their chance. This is our opportunity. This is our generation. It is up to us to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a gospel, there's a conclusion, and that conclusion is this. There's a judgment. But you know what I find in verse number 32 as well? Turn back with me to Acts. In verse number 32, and when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. You know, there's a concern, there's a cry, there's a conclusion. You know what I find as well? There's always going to be critics. Here's Paul preaching truth and men mocked him. Here's Paul just with great concern. He wants to see him saved. Now remember, Paul was a religious man. Paul was one that, that um, uh, grew up in a religious society. Paul, Paul was so religious. Paul thought he was doing the right thing. He was murdering Christians. 
Paul was gloriously saved and he trusted Christ and he, and he turned from that murderous way he was living, from that false religion that he was living, and he turned to Jesus Christ and Jesus changed his life. And the only reason Paul is even preaching, the only reason Paul is even here at Athens and he's proclaiming the truth is because he knows what Jesus did for him. He can do the same for these people. And there's those that mocked him. You know, church, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be some that criticize. There's always going to be some that complain. There's always going to be some that no matter what you do, they're always going to find fault. But you know what I like about this section of Scripture as well? There's also going to be some that believe. Paul didn't pay attention to the critics his passion was to reach people with the gospel and there were some that complained, there were some that mocked, but there also were some that believed. And that is what kept Paul going. And Christian, that's got to be what keeps us going as well. We can't stop. You know, some are going to go downtown. Not every single person that you share something with, that you help meet a need, they are not always going to respond. Well, I've been to places in Mexico where it seemed like everybody got saved. There were hundreds of people that would come to a campaign and the gospel would be presented and every one of them raised their hand to get saved. And you think to yourself, boy, this is a wonderful thing. It doesn't happen everywhere. You might preach, you might cry, you might give the gospel and nobody respond, but it's not time to quit. It's time for us to keep going. Some may mock, some will criticize, but the Bible also said this, some believe. Like that lady I told you about this morning, if you in the services, there's a lady that, that, that for her entire life, somebody, somebody just used her as a punching bag. All of her teeth were broken out and, and there was no hope and no love and, and, and life for her must have been a miserable thing. But there was a church in Toledo that had a meal planned for her and as she came, there were people from that church that loved her. She might not have looked like them. She might not have smelled like them. She might not have acted like them, but they still put their arm around her and loved her because Jesus Christ loved her. A few weeks later, after attending church for several weeks, she gets saved. A year later, she is now serving other people. The gospel changes lives. When Michelle and I first got married, we worked at a church and Southside Baptist Church it was in Southwest Philadelphia on 69th and Paschal, sitting on a corner in the city. Reminding me somewhat of Resurrection Baptist Church, no parking lot, no place to park. You had to park on the street. You'd park several blocks down. Hope your car would be there when you came back to it. Seriously. Crazy people. It's great. The entire church was full of first-generation Christians. They didn't know that you were supposed to get stale. They didn't know you were supposed to get comfortable. They saw what Jesus Christ did for them, and they thought they were supposed to tell everybody what Jesus Christ has done. It was exciting. Lord led us from that place into the Midwest, in the Cincinnati area, and we went to a church a larger church, a more established church. Matter of fact, three, four, five generations of Christians in that church raised up. 
I saw a difference. People can get to a place in their Christianity where everything is just, it's just okay. We don't really want to mess anything up. I mean, we got a good thing going. I mean, you got your own seat. You know what I'm talking about. I change the seats up. I know there's people mad at me. Every Sunday morning I walk in, you moved my seat. Everything's just right. The air has to be just right. The timing of the services have to be just right. Nothing can interfere. We're comfortable. And I'll tell you, church, I miss. I miss driving and hoping our car is there when we get back to it. I miss people so excited what Jesus Christ did for them, they had to let every single person they come in contact with know Jesus Christ can do the same thing for you. I miss people coming in and you can have my seat, you can have, the, you can have anything you need. I think it's a place many of us need to get back to. Church, I hope I hope you'll allow God to interrupt your life, to get you out of your comfort zone, to give you a concern like Paul had, to give you a cry like Paul had, to give you compassion for people and do something. Yes, there's going to be critics. Yes, there's going to be people that mock. Yes, it's going to be difficult. And you know what? It might even be a little dangerous. I want to remind you what Jesus Christ went through for you. He was bruised for my transgressions. He was beaten. His beard was plucked. Men would pound him in the face with their fist. He was mocked. He was lied about. He was whipped. They placed the cross upon him. He couldn't have the strength to even carry that cross to Golgotha. They placed him on that cross and they drove nails into his hand, into his feet. He put a crown of thorns upon his head and blood began to come down his forehead and his face. They say this, as the psalmist describes him, he may have even had an eye out of socket. He had just clumps of hair and skin pulled off of his flesh. It was not even recognizable. He did it because he loved you. He did it because he loves those little boys and girls whose parents are so addicted to alcohol and drugs that they're not even caring for them. They need someone to come into their life and say, Jesus cares for you. I'll never forget, and I'm done. I, we were knocking on doors in southwest Philly, and a fellow was up and knocked on the door, and he 
went up to the door and he knocked. And he was a big guy. He knocked on that door. And when he knocked on the door, the entire door fell in. The entire door. And the guy that came to the door was bigger than him. I thought, let's run right now. And if we don't run, at least let's hide in the bushes. I mean, here's the door laying on the ground. The guy's coming to the door and we look like, and the guy didn't miss a beat. He said, sorry about the door, but can I tell you about Jesus? And that man who had his door knocked over, who I thought was ready to kill somebody, knelt there and trusted Jesus Christ as a savior. The pastor that we worked for, Sal Yanizzi, Salvatore Yanizzi was his name. He was 19 years old when he got saved. His mom had gotten saved. They were a staunch Roman Catholic family living in South Philadelphia. Sal's dad, Dominic, Peniche, uh, Dominic Yanizzi, was, was uh, uh, running numbers. He was uh, uh, keeping the books for the mob down at the, down at the uh, uh, in South Philly. Dominic's wife gets saved. Dominic's wife gets saved and she starts going to this church plant that just started in South Philly, Faith Independent Baptist Church. And, and uh, uh, she starts going to this church and, and her, her daughter Carmela gets saved and she starts coming to the church. And then Sal gets saved and he starts coming to this church. And here's this little Italian guy, Dominic Yanizzi, uh, that is, 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 is running numbers for the mob and, and his entire family is getting saved. And he don't like this. He comes to a church on a Sunday night. He said, I'm going to meet this preacher. And in the back of his, his uh, 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 pants there, he had a gun. And he came to church that night so that he could kill the preacher for getting his family involved in this cult. Now, this is the father. This is the pastor I worked for as a youth pastor. Sal's dad, Dominic, goes to church. There's, there's his wife and his daughter and his son all sitting in this church. And there he is sitting next to them, planning how he's going to shoot this preacher when the church service is over. He's preaching the gospel. At the end of the service, he leaves his pew where he's sitting or the chair where he's sitting he walks in that middle aisle and instead of reaching for his gun he bows his knee and he gloriously trusts Christ as his savior Dominic was became a great soul winner he 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 uh knew the style of life he lived and he became a, a deacon in the church and a great one of the greatest soul winners that I've ever met son became a pastor his son allowed my wife and I to, to work with him for four and a half years as a youth pastor in the ministry, all because somebody, all because someone took a stand and said, I'm going to share the gospel even in difficult places like South Philly, even in difficult places like Toledo, even in difficult places all around this country. There are people that are still saved, and I love to hear what Jesus Christ does with a life once they trust him as their Savior. The more stories need to happen. More people need to be saved. Church, I want to challenge you this evening. Do you have a concern? Do you have a cry? Do you have a conclusion?
Are you going to listen to the critics? Or are you going to stay faithful so that some still believe? Do you believe this evening that God is still in the saving business? I tell you, if you don't, if you don't, we ought to just close up now and find something else. But the truth of the matter, he is. And every one of us need to be involved in preaching the gospel to a world that needs Jesus.